Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. From KMOX Sports. Okay, boys, here we go. Welcome to the Great Bar Sports Open Line. Those bit swings and he hits a drive. He hits a slammer. Braveheart, your distributor for electrical and data comm needs. Here we go. Now, Matt Pauley on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. All right, man, let's get going here. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Let's go. Indeed, here we go. On a Friday evening, it is time for a Graybar Sports Open Line on KMOX. My name is Matt Pauley. Have you for a full two hours tonight after the Cardinals play a little Friday afternoon baseball at Wrigley. It did not go well in the sense that the Cardinals lost the game. There was a little bit of controversy involved in the game as well in the eighth inning when Alec Burleson should have driven in the tying run with a walk instead a couple strikes were called by uh, Ron Culpa, who obviously did not want his uh, food spat in tonight while he is going to dinner at some Chicago establishment. So he tried to uh, be friendly with uh, with the locals there in Chicago or something was going on. I say that tongue-in-cheek, but my goodness, what a way for a game to essentially end today. Cardinals losing to the Cubs 4-3. We did the uh, short extra innings show, so as we always say on uh, afternoon games when we do that, we uh, give you an opportunity to call and text during Sports Open Line. We'll do that a little bit later on in the program, so if you've got your thoughts on uh, the way the Cardinals lost today and Thoughts on Ron Culpa? We'll be uh, taking those coming up uh, later on this hour and also a little bit uh, next hour as well. Uh, Nate Gatter's going to join us in about 10 minutes. Kevin Wheeler's going to join us at 635. So the Dave Glover Show got the entire day off because of Cardinals baseball. Kevin Wheeler should not be allowed to just not work on a Friday. No, that's not allowed. So we're going to make Kevin do a little work and uh, he'll pop on with us coming up at uh, 635 today. And then uh, next hour, we'll talk some Cubs baseball. Uh, One of my buddies, Jared Willis, is going to uh, join us. He covers all things baseball in the city of Chicago. Uh, We'll get a little bit into uh, City SC there in the League's Cup break. They make uh, an acquisition today. I'd be lying to you if I told you that. I had any insight on it whatsoever. We'll ask Nate about that coming up when he joins us in uh, just a few minutes. And then we're also going to ask, we got a lot to talk about with Nate Gatter because I need somebody. I need somebody to explain to me what in the world is going on with the SEC preseason media poll, which if you did not see Missouri, they are the preseason number one, two, three, four, five, uh, number six team in the Eastern Division and the seven team Eastern Division. Vanderbilt is the only team that comes in behind Missouri, but Vanderbilt got eight first place votes. Who is voting Vanderbilt 
to win the Eastern Division over Georgia and Tennessee and programs like that. I don't know if there was something odd going on with the voting, so hopefully Nate Gatter can explain it to me uh, because I just I'm not completely aware of what's going on uh, in that situation. But obviously, we start with Cardinals baseball, and <sighs> I oh man, I'm not an anti-umpire guy. I'm not. I think umpiring is one of the most challenging jobs out there. Umpiring, officiating. When I'm at a at a low level college game or a high school game or something, I'm so I'm so appreciative of the people who are for very little money choosing to spend their evenings to go officiate games. Uh, and I just I think it's a really hard job starting at the lowest levels and going all the way up. So. I try not to be an umpire slash official hater because I understand how tough of a job it is. I understand that more often than not, especially at the major league level, NFL level, NBA level, NHL level, high major college sport level, that these officials are getting a lot more calls right than they're getting wrong. And being a... I see really good umpires a lot. You know, a lot of these young umpires that are coming up in baseball are really good. You look at some of these umpire scorecards on on Twitter, some of these young guys coming up, man, they are on it. They are good. They are really good. Now, being an umpire is more than just uh, getting balls and strikes right. Uh, There's also, you know, controlling the game and the interpersonal stuff. A lot of people criticize Joe West uh, at the end of his tenure as an umpire for his ball strikes calls, and he was not good. He was not a great ball strike umpire near the end of his career. He wasn't, yeah, he just wasn't, that wasn't the strength of his, uh, of, of who he was as an umpire. But he could run a game. He was in control. He was in charge. Like all that stuff matters. So I, I'm just, I always, I pumped the brakes a little bit when I'm going to be really critical of umpires. But what happened today in the eighth inning just can't happen. It just can't happen. And it's not fair to anybody involved, including Ron Culpa, when you take one moment in an entire nine-inning game and blame everything on that one moment. We don't know what would have happened with this game, even if the tying run would have scored right there. The, the Cubs still could have won. There's no guarantee the Cardinals would have even taken the lead. Like, I understand all of those things. But it just it can't happen. It cannot happen that you're missing calls by that much in that moment with that much on the line. The Cardinals are doing everything that they can to try to make up for a horrendous start to the season. And if we're being very honest about it, there's just probably not enough calendar left for them to be able to completely make it up. But you cannot lose games like that when when you start the season and it's 162 games, you realize there's going to be moments like that happen and it's just one of 162 and you can kind of deal with it. But when the Cardinals are trying to find a way to win enough games to put themselves back into some sort of contention for some type of playoff spot, you cannot have those things happening. That is a black mark on the game of baseball. It just is. And I don't know what the answer is beyond the automated strike zone, which I'm I'm not a huge fan of that based off what I'm hearing because I keep hearing that 
Uh, the automatic strike zone, the way it's going in the minor leagues, it's not perfected to a point yet where it's going to be more, better than human umpires. Now, what I keep hearing is that before we go to a full-time automated strike zone, we mo- may go to a challenge system where you're going to have you know three, four, five pitches over the course of a game that you can challenge a ball strike call and it will go back to a challenge and, and you can evaluate it on whether it was a strike or not. That's going to happen at some point in the next few years. And, man, that would have been nice to have today. One of it on that 3-0 pitch, on that 3-1 pitch, to be able to challenge those calls and force in a run and tie the game up, that would have felt good in that moment. So it's just it's frustrating. It's frustrating watching missed calls have the profound impact that a missed call had today in that Cardinal game. That's not the only reason they lost. I'm not, I'm not blaming it 100% on Ron Culpa. But my goodness, that game would have been a different game had Ron Culpa made some more correct calls in the eighth inning. 314-436-7900. We'll take calls uh, later on. You can always text in if you'd like. Tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air. Up next, Nate Gatter is going to join us. We'll talk Mizzou. We'll talk City. We'll talk a little Cardinals. He'll be on uh, Cardinal studio duty uh, this weekend here on KMOX across the Cardinal Radio Network. So it's all coming up. It's Graybar Sports Open Line. My name is Matt Pauley. This is KMOX. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Line does continue here on KMOX. We are currently efforting Nate Gatter. We hope to get him on the program in the next uh, few moments or so. If we don't get him on right now, we'll try to get him on maybe later on in the program. And you'll be hearing a lot of him this weekend because he'll be uh, anchoring the uh, Cardinals Radio Network pre- and post-game uh, shows tomorrow and Sunday here on KMOX and across the Cardinal Radio Network. I wanted to talk with him about two separate things, which I don't fully 
understand. Uh, the first is the SEC preseason media football poll, and the second is the City SC player that was uh, just acquired today. And what do you know? We got him. We're going to go to the Quiver River Electric Guest Line. You're going to hear a whole lot of this guy this weekend because he is uh, hosting on the St. Louis Cardinals Radio Network pre and post. But right now he joins us here on a Gray Bar Sports Open Line. He is Nate Gatter. Hi, Nate. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Matt? I am good. All right. You got to explain this to me. Why did Vanderbilt get eight first place votes in the uh, SEC football preseason media poll? I have no idea, and I'm, I, I don't understand how it's five. If it was one, it could be somebody who maybe shouldn't have a credential, just did it as a joke, right? Like, I have no idea. I mean, they have a lot of votes in these things now, right? There are, like, hundreds of people, I yeah. think, voting for these things. So, presumably, there could be some guy with a blog who got a credential to cover the media. I don't think it's super competitive to get a credential to cover this sort of thing. But five people is odd to me. And it, it, clearly, I mean, they still finished last in the overall poll. So it's not as though Vanderbilt is somehow getting buzz around the media days and all of a sudden a bunch of people are ju- bumping them up to fourth or fifth and a few people got over exuberant. I don't understand. I, and to be honest, I think, I, I wonder if you, if this is the kind of press the SEC really doesn't want and uh, kind of makes a farce out of the whole thing. Not that media polls aren't already somewhat farcical to begin with, but uh, I, I wonder if this leads, we'll have to keep an eye on the overall number of votes, and I wonder if it drastically uh, is drastically reduced next year, if the number of people given credentials to cover the media days and the number of people given you know, VIP credentials to vote on in the media poll might be different starting next year. So the eight people who voted for Vanderbilt, they get a choice. They can either lose their vote and feature polls or they can be committed. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think either. And if they want to keep their vote, they have to publicly acknowledge it and take their, their thrashing in the, in the court of public opinion. I mean, that many people voting Vanderbilt over Georgia, I, that, you're right. I'm not trying to make too big of a deal. In the grand scheme of things, this doesn't matter. But stuff like this does frustrate me because this is supposed to be a big deal. And by those people voting Vanderbilt number one, it's not a big deal. Yeah, and it's um, right. Does it matter? Obviously not. At the same time, I do think if you're somebody who gets a credential to cover this sort of thing and they're entrusting you with your opinion to be involved in some part of the process, one could argue, like, as far as, anything like this goes voting on preseason polls voting on mvps voting on say the hall of fame those sorts all stars those sorts of things that those are some of your your most important duties as a media member as far as it relates to whatever happens on the field other than that your duties are to your readers your listeners your consumers of your product but so you have no generally no allegiance or or no responsibility no duty to the team or players you cover this is a rare instance where you do and I do think it sends a disrespectful message to the league, to the teams, ultimately to the players and coaches who are human beings, uh, that, that you don't care enough to be you know, honest and straightforward about how you're handling things, uh, which, you know, is this probably just some people thinking they're having a laugh and, it, you know, it's not a huge deal? Obviously, this is not going to have an impact on anybody's life. At the same time, I, I just think it's a, it's a bit silly, and I would imagine there are going to be consequences of some kind, because I assume at least some people at the SEC have names to go with all these ballots, right? They're not being submitted anonymously with the internal people who put the poll together, I would assume. Uh, and if that's the case, I would imagine there will be consequences. Do you vote for your, your do Mizzou Broadcasting on SEC Network Plus? Do you have any votes for anything? I do not vote on anything. Uh, the only time I've ever voted on things uh, media-related were uh, in my baseball broadcasting work, both you know, voting on All-Stars and those sorts of things. 
um, in in college and then and then after college in, in independent baseball. And it was something that I think the broadcasters took seriously because we understood. And that's, you know, it's different than a preseason poll, right? Who gets to go to an all-star game is a big deal, yeah. especially in independent baseball when players are trying to work their way back to the, the affiliated ranks and see if a major league team would look at them and there are going to be a bunch of scouts at an independent league all-star game. It is a big deal. Who's the last guy who makes that team and gets to play in that showcase? versus who's the, the best guy who doesn't, if you will, does matter. And so I, I know fellow broadcasters took it quite seriously. Now that is obviously something that needs to be taken more seriously than a preseason poll, but it, it is to the extent that something can be disrespectful without really mattering, I think this checks that box. All right, let's uh, jump over to City SC. They make a little bit of news today as uh, they acquire, I want to get this right, Nukvi Torison. He is uh, an Icelandic attacking middle fielder playing kind of for a second tier league, but he was the leading scorer in Iceland in 2022 with 17 goals. Do, do you make anything of this acquisition? I do in the sense that first of all, they're reportedly paying 600,000 euros for him, which is, is around $670,000, which is not an insignificant transfer fee for an MLS team to, to pay, especially one with city's payroll and general economic philosophy to this point. It's not a, an insignificant uh, amount for them to spend, especially on a player who hasn't played in any sort of top European league or, or in any kind of top league, really. I mean, I, the top tier of Iceland is the only top tier league in which he has any experience, not to take away from the second tier in England, in uh, Belgium, rather, but, you know, that's that just not, he's not playing in the, in the top flight in the country. Um, he's also going to be 24 in August, which doesn't make him old, but it's also not like he's 18 or 19, and this is somebody they plan to develop for a couple of years and you know, see if they can turn him into a meaningful player. If you're bringing in a, guy, a 24-year-old, maybe they don't expect him to be a major contributor down the stretch. It might be sort of his legs are going to be useful to take some minutes off other players this season. But I would think this is a player they see as a meaningful contributor, maybe not a starter, but somebody who's going to be involved and, and a regular player for them as soon as next season and they only have him on a contract through 2025 with a club option for 2026 so we're talking about essentially two full seasons with a club option for a third for a player who is in especially for an attacking player already coming into his prime years soccer as compared to to baseball say a player on the wrong side of 30 is already considered quite old right i don't think many major leaguers unless they're speed-based players at age 31, 32, or 33 are already being considered old. They're going that direction. They're probably just over the peak, but they're still in their prime. For this guy, you know, and most players like him who play on the wing, those sort of speed-based attacking positions, the prime is generally going to be 25 to 28. So I expect this to be somebody in City's eyes who will contribute as soon as next season, certainly. And I would imagine we'll see him on the field at least here and there in the run-in this year. All right, so here's a classic Matt Paul. He doesn't know anything about soccer question. Uh, in baseball, if you acquire a player in the middle of the season, they can kind of assimilate in very, very quickly. In football and in basketball, it's a little bit tougher. you got to learn the system. you got to learn the playbook, all that sort of stuff. When it comes to a soccer team adding a player in the middle of the season, what's it more uh, similar to in terms of their ability to assimilate to what's going on? I think it depends a little bit on the team and the coaching style and how that team plays. Ordinarily, I would say it's probably about halfway in the middle. In City's case, I think it's closer to football than it is to baseball because, especially for an attacking player, ordinarily for a winger, you might say, you know, you're kind of going up and down your side. 
Your job is to beat players off the dribble, maybe cut in, maybe supply some some crosses, and uh, you know that's going to be universal. And I think there is some of that that will that will translate, especially if his primary role the last couple months of the season is going to be to do the running that's required in the last twenty minutes or thirty minutes of a game to take some minutes off other players' legs. He should still be able to do that, if not right away within a few weeks. I would expect he'd be he'd be serviceable in that kind of role, sort of how we've seen maybe Isak Jensen use to this point. I don't think it'll take a long time for him to assimilate and acclimate to the degree necessary to, to fill that role if necessary. But to, to be somebody who can play 90 minutes in a big game for City, you have to understand the press and how it works and, and the demands physically but also tactically – of attacking players without the ball, playing against the ball. How are, how are you initiating that press and the responsibilities you have defensively when the opponent's defenders or defensive midfielders have the ball is relatively complicated compared to what most teams are going to do. It's relatively demanding, and it takes time. It's one of the reasons it was so important to Lutz Fanenstiel and, and the rest of the brain trust at the club to get even big-name players in last year with City 2 and to be able to train with the team, which was at significant expense, right? They were paying some guys seven-figure salaries for upwards of half a year before they were ever going to take the field in MLS, some of them close to an entire calendar year. That's a substantial expense to, to just try to get guys acclimated, both to St. Louis and life in the U.S. and the club and all of that sort of thing, and also to the style of play and the physical and especially mental and tactical demands that are required of those players. So I, I think the the short answer is it's going to take time. And I wouldn't expect him to make a dramatic impact really at any point between now and the end of the season. I think it's more realistic to expect him to be fully up to speed and we'll probably see him some, somewhere closer to his full capability next year. Last thing for you, we got the League's Cup roster earlier in the week. Did anything jump out at you? Not particularly. I think we will. I mean, it was a little surprising. Joachim Nielsen is not on there. Uh, the, this big name center back from Sweden, who of course still hasn't played for City uh, since he was acquired last summer due to uh, a knee issue that they thought was not going to require surgery. In the end, did after rehab. He's still working his way back from that. A little bit concerning that that, that this means they don't foresee him getting any minutes in the League's Cup. At the same time, I assume with how long he's been out, he, you know, he'll have gone well over a year without playing in a competitive game by the time he gets on the field. I expected him all along to probably make his return playing a game or two or three with St. Louis City 2, the, the development team, just to try to get his legs under him a little bit. So I still think that's most likely, and not being on the League's Cup roster doesn't necessarily take away his ability to do that. Um, hopefully, I think it's important that he is 100% fit by the end of the season going into the playoffs. And the fact that he's not on the League's Cup roster is, I wouldn't say a red flag, but a yellow flag in regard to his ability to do that. Uh, but other than that, you know, we'll, I, I assume that they are going to take this, the League's Cup, a little bit less seriously than they thought they would coming into the season just because of how well they're doing in MLS. It doesn't make a lot of sense to pour the minutes onto players' legs in a competition like the League's Cup, whereas if they were struggling in the league like a lot of people expected, I think they would have gone much harder after these shorter tournaments where it's easier for a team to string together a couple of upsets and make some noise. He's Nate Gatter. You hear him hosting the St. Louis City Soccer Report this weekend. He's on uh, studio duty on the St. Louis Cardinals radio network. Nate, thanks uh, as always for your time. Enjoy the weekend. We'll talk soon. We appreciate you, sir. All right. There's Nate Gatter joining us. I appreciate him a lot. Good guy all the way around. Friend of the program, 
Nate Gatter, joining us on the Quiver River Electric Guest Line. We'll take a break. Another friend of the program, former host of the program, Kevin Wheeler. He joins us in just a moment. It's a Gray Bar Sports Open Line on a Friday night right here on KMOX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This is America's Sports Voice, KMOX. 3-2 pitch. A swing and a ground ball to the shortstop. Stepping on second, throwing to first, a double play. That was the moment of the game today. Alec Burleson at the plate. Bases loaded, 3-0 count. The 3-0 pitch and the 3-1 pitch both called for questionable strikes. One of those wasn't even questionable. It was just flat out a bad call. And in moments like these, those things are really magnified. When you take a step back over the course of 162 games and all the moments, all the plays, all the pitches, doesn't seem like a huge deal. But, man, in that moment, it certainly felt like one. And with that, we welcome on to the program. Generally, you would hear him on the Day Glover Show and on Total Information PM. You didn't hear him on either of those shows today. So you hear him right now on the show they used to host, Sports Open Line. It's our good friend Kevin Wheeler joining us on the Quiver River Electric Guest Line. Hi, Kevin. What's up, buddy? How you doing? I'm all right. So uh, what's your, like, all-encompassing thoughts on that eighth inning and what happened with Alec Burleson? I mean, he clearly he clearly did not get uh, the benefit of those two calls. You know, the the fourth pitch, so the 3-0 pitch, was a lot closer than the other one, but the 3-1 pitch wasn't close. I mean, that, that's one of those you can't miss, right? Um, and umpires do miss them. I understand that completely. Um, you know, if this, if this was a team that was in first place or in a wild card spot right now, I think that would sting a lot more, but it is frustrating. And, and I think, uh, and I, and I heard you mention this off the top of the show or near the top of the show. Uh, this is where you bring in those conversations about the automated strike zones, or at least the ability to challenge the most egregious calls. Because if you look at the six pitches thrown in that at bat to, to Burleson, not one of them crossed the strike zone. Not one, and it was a double play. So, you know, <laughs> I think there's justified frustration there. I don't know if you heard what Alec Burleson said after the game, but I thought it it was a really good kind of like baseball line of thought because on the 3-0 pitch, that's called for a strike, and he looks back at Ron Culpa and basically asks where it was, and Culpa says it was on the corner. So Burleson said, okay, well, if that's the corner, that means he's not going to go any further outside on a strike call. The next pitch is further out. It's called as a strike again. So that kind of goes against what Culpa just said. And then you're stuck in this situation where on the 3-2 pitch, you've already expanded your zone, and you're probably swinging at something that generally you wouldn't be swinging at. Yeah, on, on the full count pitch, you have to swing. Right, I mean, if he's already rung you up twice in a row on pitches that are pretty similar location, and I know that the the final pitch, the the pitch that uh, Burles ended up grounding out on, was even a little bit further off the plate than the first two. I mean, at that point, though, you you know that if you don't, or at least you fear that if you don't swing at all, you're going to get rung up. In that spot, getting rung up is probably better than a double yeah. play, though. I think that's another thing where. I, I'm not again. It's not a knock on Burleson. That that's an at bat that he should have won. 
Uh, in fact, he won that at bat twice and should have been on first base with a walk that brought in a run. Um, but that's a case where, you know, a younger player who's very contact-oriented um, does swing at that pitch, where some other guys that are more patient are going to say, if he's going to ring me up eight inches off the plate in this scenario, that's actually better than me swinging at that pitch and hitting the ground ball. But again, that's not a second guess of Burleson. It's just he's a different style of hitter, right? A more patient guy probably looks at that and says, if you call me out, you call me out. But Burleson's known for not being that guy. He's an aggressive guy who makes a lot of contact. So the other side of that equation is going with Burleson over Gorman. And Oliver Marmel's going to tell you, and I'm not even saying that Marmel's wrong in this, his reasons for going with Burleson are sound because his ability to not strike out and make contact, and you needed contact really over power in that situation, especially when power comes with strikeouts, and you've got a strikeout pitcher on the mound. So the reason to go with Burleson over Gorman is a completely sound decision. So I don't want this to sound like a criticism of Oliver Marmel in the moment because I think he makes that decision, and there are good reasons to make it, but at the same time, Wheels, if I'm making that decision, I'm going with Nolan Gorman because I want the guy who's kind of a core member of my team, who's come through in clutch situations, who I want to be a middle-of-the-order run-producing guy. I want to put him in those kind of situations. Yeah, uh, I agree with that completely. Um, I would I would frame it more as a criticism, though, because the contact guy is exactly the guy you don't want there. You're better with a strikeout than you are with a ground ball, as we found out. I would rather have the guy who is more likely to either hit a fly ball or hit a ball out of the ballpark or strike out than a guy that's going to maybe put a ball in play that is less than ideal and ground into a, to a double play. Um, so I understand what he's saying, but I completely disagree in that spot. Completely disagree in that spot. And I think there's another area if we want to play around, um, if we want to play around with that as well, is is that the right spot? I mean, you you have to pinch it for Fermin there, right? Yeah. Um, but do you have to go with a lefty? Because last I checked, Mark Leiter Jr. has had more success against lefties than righties. Don't if I'm looking at him against right-handers this year. 897 OPS, 483 against lefties uh, OPS. So I think there are a couple of valid questions about the decision there. I agree with you, though. The right call is probably Gorman. And for the reasons that I talked about it, and, I, and for those reasons, I don't like Burleson at all in that spot. I, I just The only thing that kills you there is a double play. And that's what they got. And yeah. one one other thing on Gorman, by the way, if you look at his splits, and I know the versus left-hander is a it's it's only thirty five at bat, so it's a tiny sample size. I, I'm I'm well aware of that, and maybe it looks a little bit different. But against lefties this year, Gorman's hitting two fifty seven with an eight seventy one OPS. Against righties, he's hitting two thirty seven with a seven eighty nine OPS. So when he's been given those opportunities, he's come through. Yeah, and that's something that that they need to continue considering where they are right now, and and hopefully they will. Um, I know I texted you and a couple other folks <laughs> late in the game, and I'm like, come on, we got to stop with the with the with the Jose Fermin thing. He should never start a game for the Cardinals ever. Under, I mean, unless somebody's just worn out, and and there are things we don't know, so I should acknowledge that up front. You know, we don't know if someone's a little sick, not feeling good, a little sore, a little pain, a little, a little bit of pain here and there. Um, what, whatever that all is, 
We don't know. So maybe there are mitigating circumstances. But at this point in the year, where you are in the standings, the the president of baseball operations is already talking about selling at the deadline uh, and all of that. Well, then this is the time to give Gorman the chance to sink or swim against lefties. And as you pointed out, in the opportunities that he's gotten to do it this year, even though it's a very small number of plate appearances, he's done it well and should be doing it regularly. So unless this is the case where Gorman really needed a day, and I don't know if it is or isn't, if that's the case, all right, fine, you know, we can see for mean. But if not, we got to stop with this. I mean, th- this is a guy that you can count on for next year for sure. And what you need to find out is, is he a platoon split guy or can he do both? And if he can do both, you got to give him the chance every day. Here's the other side of this, and we're going real inside baseball on this, but it's fun. When they decide to go Burleson hitting in the nine spot, but they had pinch hit Donovan just a moment before, right. Donovan can't play in the field. Right. So at that point, you have no other option but to bring in Gorman to play second. That puts Gorman in the eight spot. So that puts you in a position where if you do want to have some flexibility in the next inning and maybe use Gorman, I don't know where you would move use them because you had right. Newt Barr and Goldschmidt, Arnato and Contreras. You're not going to be lifting any of those guys. Right. But if there was a spot to use Gorman, you weren't going to be able to do so. He was buried down in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, the turnaround would have been a long way off, which is, again, the better argument for getting him in there instead of Burleson yeah. or Fermin, yeah. right? Because otherwise, you're not going to get to him. Again, I, you know, the, I, 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 I'll repeat it one more time, even though I'm, I've said it a few times. Uh, if, if this was supposed to be like, hey, Nolan needs a day, he's worn, he's burnt out, he's sick, he's sore, or whatever – if that's the case, that explains a lot of the questions that you and I are asking. Outside of that, it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense. Yeah, and I, I think I feel like the Cardinals are still trying to figure out the best way of using their roster in now that it's gone to American League rules because the Cardinals historically under National League rules, as most teams were, but the Cardinals were really good at, at making sure that every single player on the roster was being used and, and contributing. Right. But I, I've joked around about this before. There's times where I walk into the clubhouse and I see somebody. It's like, that guy's still on the roster? I mean, and they've done, they did that with Mercado. They did that with Baker. They did that with uh, Thompson not pitching forever. It, it just, it feels like they are not, they're still trying to figure out the best way to get production from 26 guys. Yeah, I, I think that may be true. I also think part of it is just that it, they, it's kind of a weird roster, and I don't mean bad. I mean, it's a good lineup. They, you know, I think they have a lot of offensive talent here, uh, and they do have some things to sort out. And hopefully, hopefully, Matt, you know, between now and, and August 1st, you can sort some more of the clutter out, right? Um, because they do need, you know, I mentioned this about Gorman, you know, that you, you need to give him every opportunity the rest of the year to bat against left-handers because – you can't go in next year not having a better idea of what to expect. And he's never going to hit lefties if he doesn't hit lefties. So you've got to give him that opportunity. And I feel kind of the same way about Dylan Carlson, too. You have to find out. You've got to give him two months of every day at bats. I get right now you can't because Walker's going to play. He's the younger guy, and he's producing more, which is, you know, the big deal. Um, you know, Newt Barr produces more, and and it's, you know, not by a lot right now, <laughs> but he is producing car- more than Carlson. It's, it's pretty close, though. Uh, but the, you do have to showcase O'Neill um, and hope that he has a, a good 10 days where he's mostly healthy. I think every team has their opinions of him already, 
as a player. I don't think he's going to change anybody's mind. It's not like, ooh, if he gets hot, he's going to go for more. I think all you need to do is have him confirm to the other teams that are interested in him whether or not he's healthy. Um, and then whether or not any deals that are offered make any sense. Hopefully, we can get some more of that sorted out in, in the next 10 days. But I agree, it's, it's, it's tough. And, you know, when you've got three catchers, for example, um, and, you know, you've got a young guy like, like uh, Herrera in there who hit really well at AAA and has hit well in the opportunities he's gotten now, it makes it tough uh, to find spots for Kisner. And they did today, but, you know, it adds another level of, uh, another level of, uh, uh, complication. That's the word. I was going to say confusion, Matt, but that's not. It's complication. It's it's all of the above, maybe. Yeah. He is uh, Kevin Wheeler. You hear him on DGS. You hear him on Total Information PM. And when he doesn't do either of those things, we drag him on to Sports Open Line. <laughs> Wheels, thank you. Anytime, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Have a great weekend. That's Kevin Wheeler joining us. This is a Gray Bar Sports Open Line on KMOX. It's a great bar sports open line here on KMOX. If you missed the news today, the Cardinals did complete a small trade. Hinesis Cabrera had been designated for assignment earlier this week. That transaction officially came on Monday. He learned over the weekend that his time with the Cardinals had come to an end. So uh, on Monday, when that became official, that opened up a seven-day window where they were either going to have to uh, trade him or release him or, or bring him back, but that doesn't really happen. Well, they were able to work out a deal. We all thought that they would tr- get something for him, not a lot. You generally don't get a whole lot for somebody that you uh, designate for assignment, but they do trade him today to the Toronto Blue Jays in exchange for minor league catcher Sammy Hernandez. Hernandez, just 19 years old. He was the Blue Jays' 14th round selection in the 2022 draft out of uh, Lakeland, Florida High School. Uh, this year, he was playing uh, down in uh, playing in the uh, Florida Coast League for the Blue Jays. 261, 14 games. Not a high level prospect, but you get a catcher, you get kind of an organizational guy, you get a young guy that you can develop. So good on the Cardinals for getting something for Hennessy's Cabrera when they could have gotten nothing. You always thought they'd work out some sort of deal, but uh, Cabrera now officially no longer part of the Cardinals. It's a Gray Bar Sports Open Line on KMOX. T Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.